Welcome to Pudding Ain't Easy, Loki Season 2. I'm your host, Carl Pierce, and with me today, as always, is the Miss Minutes to my Ravona Renslayer, that's Scott McLeod. Hello, Scott. Hello there. Uh, I was worried you were going to say, compare me to, like, he who remain. Oh, you're going to call me Miss Minutes and you, like, he who remains or something like that. Like, we don't have that kind of relationship, Carl. No, but we all know you're jealous of me, so that's why you're Miss Minutes. Mm-hmm. Ah, me, the jealous type, never. <laughs> I'm talking about being jealous, someone's off to a wrestling show this week. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hopefully I'll get it out before then. But yeah, this coming Thursday, I've got Impact Wrestling here in Glasgow as part of the UK Invasion Tour. So, well, it looks like a pretty decent card, you know. I've got like a small group of people who I know who are at least a varying interest in Impact. So, that's yeah, very good. Uh, they've got regular standard tickets because these tickets came on sale a couple weeks before Wembley and I needed the money. So, I thought, what's the cheapest option? I'll take that. <laughs> Well, you know, it's only impact. Are they reverting back? Are they reverting back to TNA, or is that a one-off thing that they're on about? Yeah, I thought it was going to be a one-off thing, but no, apparently no. That's a it's a real thing. I think they thought, well, let's get enough time not being called TNA because that has people like Dixie Carter and Hulk Hogan have ruined it. And then like, oh, good, enough time's passed, enough goodwill's been built up. We're going back to TNA because some people, even when they were called Empire Wrestling, still just called them TNA. So. May as well be easier for everyone. Yeah, do you think the hope is to get some perhaps nostalgia, you know, a bit of a nostalgia hit, perhaps? Perhaps, yeah. I think it may, I think they may get a little bit of a boost, you know. You never know. It's worth a try, isn't it? But Scott, other than that, how are you? What have you been up to? Uh, not much, to be fair. Uh, I went out Friday with some pals. Uh, I went. We went this like. German kind of beer house that's somewhere in the city centre of Glasgow and they still had some like this little menu they had left over from like Oktoberfest and we were through some of the different types of beer they had in there. I'm not usually a beer person but I saw they were doing this kind of like strawberry type beer I thought oh, I'll give that a try because usually when because being a person who drinks cider uh, but I want that when they say there's this kind of heaps of fruit in it I want to actually be able to taste it whereas more often than not when I try that with beer you can't taste it fucking at all but you could tell it tasted in this strawberry beer. I had a pint of it. I thought, that's good. And because it's in a German establishment, you have the option to go play a bit more and go up to one of those massive, like, steins. You see those one of those oh, like, massive right, yeah. like, candles, yeah. Which is apparently the equivalent of two pints. So let's just say, I had, let's just say I end up having three of those. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough Saturday morning. It was, but it was. Scott getting <laughs> slashed. A Scotsman getting pissed. Who would have thought? You see, you see, contrary to stereotypes, I don't drink that often. But when I do, I make it count. 
<laughs> but, you know, I, I drink socially. You know, I always make sure there's at least two or three other people who are also drinking to make it okay. Although not drinking very often in Scotland, it's just not it's drinking every other day. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never, I never drink on my own because that's when it gets sad, you know. <laughs> that's when you cross over to drunk territory. I never drink alone. <laughs> that's all right. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah, he'll pour a bit of Dax's bowl to, to make sure he's <laughs> not drinking on his own. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah, that boy is enough as that is. I don't want him on the on the, on the drink as well. <laughs> I'll never shut him up. Mm-hmm. Bless him. How about you, Carl? Anything exciting? No, not really, to be honest. Just work and watching tally and podcasting with either you or Nathan or Reese. So, yeah, just, you know, life doesn't get very exciting when you're in your 40s, I'm afraid. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you for that, that warning for you know, go to the Christmas future. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've got a couple of rank banks stored and we're trying to do a few more, but the day we were, we've selected during the week to record is the same day I realised the other day is the same day I'm going to Impact, so I had to cancel that and we unfortunately couldn't reschedule and this is taking it well. <laughs> yeah, Typical Scott abandoning his post for some crappy wrestling. Unbelievable. Excuse me for trying to, you know, lose my life. He's already accepted, you know, it's a month away from having a kid. He's already accepted his life is pretty much over. (laughs) His social life, at least. But, yeah. Anyway, Loki, episode three. Shall we get stuck in? We might as well. So we, uh, as we thought it might do, we we open up in um, Chicago in 1868, but it's not Morbius and Loki we join, no, it's um, Ravona Renslayer, and she's looking for Miss Minutes, who she does find, and um, basically... It's all part of a plan that uh, he who still remains set in motion as more like a contingency plan, uh, I guess, in case things go wrong for him, which which they have. So Miss Minute asks um, Renslayer, did you bring what I asked you to bring? And uh, Renslayer says, yeah, yeah, I've got it. What's all this all about? What's this plan of yours? And, and Miss Minute stresses, it's not my plan, it's his plan. And all she has to do is post this package through a window, and and that's it. So you know, mm-hmm. pretty pretty simple on her part. So um, <laughs> she uh, she posts the said package, and um, then we see the other side of the of the window, and it's clearly uh, it's a young Kang, Victor Timely, because mm-hmm. who else is it going to be? And he opens it up. And it's a TVA handbook. It does feel like this is kind of a piece of like, like it's almost immediately picking up for where she buggered off to when she stepped through that mm. same door. And at the very end of season one, when she disappeared for the TVA, and it comes in immediately steps in muck and, you know, is not used to these kind of surroundings, not used to feel work, I don't think, anymore. 
And then this mess is talking about how, yeah, basically he remains clearly knew his time was up, or at least the possibility there was of of Sylvie killing him. So, yeah, they set things in motion. It seems like it's a case of trying to find another variant to potentially replace him and give him the knowledge to take his spot at the, the end of time. And clearly, thought Victor Timely was the was the one to do so. Yeah, definitely. It seems like he's one he picked out. Perhaps he's one of the you know the less evil ones. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, or at least he felt like Miss Minutes because she clearly is trying to mould him into the version of he mm. that she remembers. So maybe he thinks he's the more susceptible, the one easily more easy to manipulate from Miss Minutes. Who, as we're getting further through this episode, we learn is very much a closer accomplice to he remains than we thought and. Obviously, there's all sorts of little time travel, you know, references from other time travel things throughout Loki. But this one very much felt like that that kind of plot from like Back to the Future. Yeah. To like going back, going back with the sports almanac, you know, the idea of going back to your to a past version of yourself or a past version of someone else to give them the knowledge they wouldn't have had otherwise and see what that does to the future. Yeah, normally it buggers it all up, but but who knows. And then you kind of set, then you kind of set like this, like I think it's like a like a shoestring paradox thing. Because then, if you know, if you if you never gave them the butt, would you know would everything change? But it, it sort of seems like you're stuck in this loop where they 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 always end up they always end up getting the buck or whatever thing you pass through time from now on. So you, you can't you can't seem to stop it. It's almost like a a vicious cycle. It's uh, if you look watch these weird thing videos like I do on YouTube about um, time travel and the, the various paradoxes and and things that that they they theorize would would happen. It's quite interesting actually. And it even goes back to my minute saying about how a lot of things can cause a branch in the timeline if it goes off. This very meticulous path that clearly he remains had for the the secret timeline because mm. there's two points: eighteen sixty eight, eighteen sixty nine, and then the eighteen ninety three. And when they go to the version of eighteen ninety three to follow up on this Victor Timely thing, it comes up branch timeline. Whereas originally when Ravona arrived in sixty nine, it was secret timeline. So the idea of like this little, little thing of placing that book onto the the shelf as as simple as it seemed, as you said there, caused it a whole different timeline and you know making fit timely part of the big for the famous obviously chicago fair yeah it could even be that he ends up being he's the original he remains all along you just never know it might be a as i say it might be a vicious cycle that's that's always meant to happen no matter what that's how weird and timey-wimey time can get but back in the what's the present day for uh, characters, or we assume it's present day, um, Loki, uh, Mobius, Ouroboros are trying to sort out um, what's going on with the uh, temporal loom. Apparently all the prune branches that ducks try to blow up are all sprouting back, so it looks like whatever General Ducks was doing was a waste of time because everything's, everything's reverting back to how it was before they blew it up, and um, he can't get these he can't get these doors open. Still, he needs to 
he needs someone with the authority like Miss Minute or He Who Remains and um, movies just going to be hacked. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, it can be hacked, can it? Well, no, no, I don't know. I'm just suggesting, can it be hacked? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, he says, oh, because like when you try and uh, like make suggestions, and say, oh, we could do this, and then try, you argue whether or not that's actually possible. But he, the way he says it, you know, I think because Ouroboros, the way Lutnow is used to just being on his own, so he's not used to the way mm. other people speak or collaborate so he said he thinks it's just a statement of value wait we can we can like no oh and he very much is repeating the idea of like we are all going to die because he doesn't see a way out of this mm. without getting a variant of he remains or miss minutes involved and i think that's also part of their a blank because he said that there always had to be a someone in his chair or someone like him in charge of the timeline so basically it means that well without me you're you're pretty much buggered the timeline is buggered at least yeah and um... Movies isn't too sure how easy it's going to be to find a rogue cartoon clock, as, <laughs> as he puts it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I do love again, like it's this leads to like more based on that having it's used to go in a different costume to a different period of time, them just wandering through eighteen sixty eight in their period accurate costumes and about you know this is a couple of years before the Chicago Fire, which. Basically, part of me rebuild all of Chicago, so they're basically you know, nothing really about this place significant. And they do that thing where they step through; it's all just like they're walking to a brick wall. And as soon as they step through, everything is different. Everything's bigger. There's a big fair going on, and just when yeah. you see like clearly something's going on, it's shaped everything. All that he's obviously more familiar with the period of history, and even names it Chicago Fair, H H Holmes, and all that. Yeah, yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting when they decide that. Uh, if, they, if they follow Rensselaer, they'll find this minute. So they first go back to 1868, and it's you know all shitty like it was when we saw Rensselaer there. So they they decide we'll we'll jump to the other year we've located her in, which is 1893. And yeah, it's it's completely different. It's uh, so much bigger city it's got this convention this science fair on there's a ferris wheel it looks a lot more starting to look a lot more modern and um city-like i suppose mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better word and yeah, yeah another excuse and another excuse for Mobius to find some food as well as we uh, as we find out well, you know, it's got high football, the the concession stands. It's it's a logical place to start. The food is just a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's in like Kelgorn or something like that, and he's still Loki is trying. Loki's Loki's not a fan of it either. And this is like you get that clip from the trailer. It's like you know, you, you know, you're more of a man of action. I like a more slower, cerebral approach. You know, let's look around and there's that kid handing out you know, newspapers, the top mm. story, like phantom like ghost clock or something like that that's uh, and he says what does that look like and it's like breadcrumbs <laughs> <laughs> and Loki gets a bit upset about um, a Norse like a Norse little stand there that's got um, sort of pillars made up of Odin for and um, Boulder and he's like Boulder yeah, he's, he's, nobody knows who he is. What's he doing? <laughs> uh, and Mobius is like, that's Boulder the Brave. He's a hero. 
as as Mobius walks away, um, Loki must have said, Four was never that tall. <laughs> it, it, it does like it looks like there's going to be like a sad moment at the start to cause you hear that music and you just look at it and the idea obviously that you know he's he's a delete he can't go back to his family as he's told because obviously he knows what's destined for his timeline and what happens to him if he goes back but then obviously like, this is a version of Loki that didn't have as much development after Avengers as the one we came mm. to know so he's still a bit bitter a bit, a bit sore and everything like he wasn't that tall Bless him. But yeah, thanks to a sign as well. They they find out what they think um, the variant they're looking for is. I find out it's called Victor Timely and they end up in like a, a little hall where he's doing a presentation and he, he sort of built himself a, a sort of retro steampunk <coughs> excuse me, sorry. My throat was uh, clogging up there. Uh, he's beat him, built himself uh, a temporal loom, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, uh, it's like scaring the crowd. You've got Renslayer there. She's, mm. There's a bit where someone looks like a weirdo because she's having to talk to Miss Minutes inside a little bag. Yeah. She can't let her, <laughs> can't let her out. <laughs> and uh, you get a little bit of... you know, it's, kind of, it's, it's a little bit different. I think some of the dialogue from Victor Timely is slightly different, but it's very much that little clip from the very, very end of mm. Quantumania with Loki and that the crowd and Loki... Kind of being all scared because he's he's just sees that face again. He's like, "That's him, that's him." And Loki's like, "No, it doesn't look." And obviously, oh, it doesn't look that scary. Yeah, but yeah, like Mobius is struggling to see what all the fuss is about because he's like on the stage. He's putting on a bit of a a bit of an act, isn't he, to to sell his to sell his loom, and he's sort of selling it as something that create a lot of power and it was like I don't just want to light up Chicago I want to light up the entire planet mm-hmm. yeah he, he's, got, he's got that stutter and everything like he's not as mm. got as much of a commanding presence as like the Kang the Conqueror we saw in Quantum Air or He Who Remains he's a lot more kind of nervous and he's stuttering through and he's, he's showing little, and not, not everybody's really that impressed but he eventually shows just what the thing can do Everything, even though he explains it's a prototype, he's trying to drive up potential bidding and interest so people will help him invest to make it help him realize what he wants to do. Yeah, and someone offers to to buy it for five hundred pounds, and we'll we'll consider that business concluded. No, no, and then other people start bidding. He basically sells it to some big chap for a thousand for a thousand dollars, and then he goes to the bar and. Because the guy who offered him five hundred some money, so it looks like it's all a bit of a con. And this mm-hmm. guy, he pays this guy to sort of start the bidding to get everyone to get everyone's interest peaked to think it is something worth going for. So yeah, as I think, what did what did he saw like a confidence trickster or something? And he, yeah. he sort of uh, makes these inventions and then sells them and makes a quick getaway before people realise <laughs> they're actually yellow to Balak's. Like this guy yeah. with his um with his mechanical trousers that are to make him taller. And he sort of cracked just out as he talks to him, oh, I think I think you look taller. Perhaps I can come by next week and, and help um, readjust them and you're thinking, yeah, you're just gonna skip time. There's gonna be no next week. <laughs> 
so he's not exactly well. Even though he's not as much of a bad guy as other variants, he's clearly not like very moral. And now he's trying. He's still out for himself. He's trying to get the money that he needs. And he says he's a bit of a con man. And he he, he skips out. He he got Loki and that tries to talk to him. He's got Rensler talking to him and. I do like the back and forth between him, oh, between Mobius and uh, Rensselaer. Like, you know each other. We used to work together. <laughs> yeah. Um, just before that, there's like um, Loki sort of stumbles into this big chap who wants to fight him. Uh, like he sort of zaps him outside and to try and cover for him. Mobius says, like, oh, the magnificent Loki, everybody. He's there all day. <laughs> And then when they go outside, you see this big guy in this little girl cramped up in this little cage that like he's magicked him inside, which is which is really funny. And yeah, as they're all arguing to try and get Timely's attention, um Brunslayer, Mobius and Loki, the the big guy bought that loom thing off him. He's he's none too pleased. It's it's it's, it's fate, you've come me, I want my money back. <laughs> so. Yeah, because also a thousand dollars in 1893 that's pretty much a fortune he's paid them there I mean mm, it's a lot of money. Seems, yeah, for him he seems like a guy who can throw money around if he's willing to pay a thousand dollars or everything but it's like um, timely stole a lot of money off him so yeah he's trying to get back so okay he starts this whole chasing with Rensselaer like Rensselaer and Loki and obviously one timely in one piece but they also are trying to get him away from the other so the cast does start a bit of a convoluted chase through the through the fair with all sorts of shenanigans. And, um, yeah, and uh, Mobius gets in touch with home base to tell me B-15, we found something better than Miss Minutes. We've got a we've got a variant of he who still remains, and B-15 sort of tells him. But um, Casey says, yeah, I forgot his name right. I have written it down there, so I should yeah. have done. He's, well, he's picked well. up a weird read, a, re- a weird read on Tempad about 30 feet from where you are or or something, and we find out it's Sylvie, which I thought that was a really good way of doing it, because actually I, I was getting so into the episode, I completely forgot about Sylvie. So to me, I was like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think we were actually going to see her in this episode. Mm. And it all comes around when they think they've finally, Loki thinks he's finally got a uh, timely safe where like, they did a bit earlier where he like tricked uh, a guy, that guy who chased him onto the Ferris wheel and mm. got off right before it, it leaves. But then he gets on the opposite one to try and get away from somebody and he ends up trapped in there with Loki and Sylvie. So Loki's trapped, he's trying behind Loki whilst Sylvie's swinging a bloody sword around. Yeah, she's uh, she's determined to to kill all the variants to obviously to make sure nobody comes after her and and whatnot. And she's convinced that like, he's dangerous, but she might be for all we know. We don't know what he's going to end up being like if he if he fulfills his destiny as um, he who remained um, has planned. Mm-hmm. And also, this whole time, Timely is, is just shitting himself. And then he notices they're starting to go back down to the bottom. He notices the guy who was chasing him and his guys on their little section. <laughs> yeah. They're getting down as well. So he's, he's starting to panic here. And eventually, Rensselaer decides, you know, because people have already spotted Miss Minutes, which has started all these stories in the paper. They're like, oh, I might as well. Let me get that clip from the trailer. For yeah. Just pretending to be a giant ghost to scare everybody off. Yep, you better run! <laughs> and uh, yeah, they managed to slip away and 
get back to Timely's house where he's sort of showing off one of his other event inventions to to Renslayer, which is a, a chair of a built-in freezer. I mean, the the invention we didn't know we needed, Scott. I'm pretty sure there are places in America where they sell arm chairs with that kind of thing. I'm pretty sure they had a one in an episode of Friends. So time, Victor Tyne was very much ahead of his time, no pun intended, you know. But <laughs> I, do, I do like this kind of thing, this old-timey inventor kind of thing, with obviously these inventions that, that don't work, and all stuttering and everything. Like, it's clearly also for Jonathan Majors a very exciting kind of character to be playing because he's playing, he goes from the commanding, like, very clearly evil Kang to this kind of kind of fish out of water who's been dragged mm. past about between Loki and Sylvie and uh, Miss Minutes and everything, not knowing exactly what's going on. And, and even in this sort of little bit where um, Timmy's attention seems to be more um, onto Renslayer, you, you can sort of see Miss Minutes is starting to get a little bit um, touchy, isn't she? <laughs> She's constantly butting in, like, well, you know, mm. it wasn't just her plan, it was our plan. You know, we were, I was following this whole grand vision of he who remains. <laughs> and there's also a fun little bit where to try and catch up with him, uh, Mobius and Loki come across a, a tandem bicycle, and Loki's like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that one, just the way he just looks, I'm like, no. Uh, and he does, like, skip out because. He realizes he has some sort of invention that you know pairs with the temporal loom and everything. Uh, early versions of stuff that he remains would develop that he needs to get. Like again, all all everything he has is a prototype. But they have to sneak out because his his lab is actually in Wisconsin. He just he's just staying in Chicago temporarily, so they managed to to skip out and catch a a ship. So and I thought I legit thought we weren't going to see Loki and more Mobius again for the rest of the episode. I thought we were going to stay on Kang and everything, find a bigger pull on this slight plot point. Mm. But again, when they're on the... Well, I put it down as a ferry. I think it's like an old type of, mm-hmm. of ferry. Um, yeah. Again, again uh, they're on the upper decks and, uh, and they're talking about the plan and he's, he's explaining how he came uh, across these inventions in, in this, um, tar- this TVA handbook. And he, he sort of says... Oh, it was you. He uh, says to Renslayer, and again, Miss, you, you can really see Miss Minutes getting agitated and and jealous now. He's just like, trying to say, no, no, it was it's my idea, blah, blah, blah. And um, he's, he sort of admits that, you know, I've always had, I always thought I had the ideas, but I couldn't make the event, I didn't have the technology available to make the inventions uh, as well as I need to, which kind of makes sense. He, you know, he's got this book from the future, and he's uh, in those days he's quite limited on on the materials and and knowledge needed to to perhaps make them uh, to the fullest of their their capability. So he is a yeah. bit ha- he is a bit hamstrung in those times to to what he can do, but you can obviously see the uh, the potential is definitely there for him to to be this. Uh, great mind and and what have you and sort of yeah. Renze is obviously quite tired and as they're talking she sort of drifts off to sleep and as she comes to Miss Mendes has convinced him to stick her on a life raft and 
and dump it from the ship to get rid of her because she's that she's got that jealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like also there was a bit I met where I mentioned we're on the Ferris wheel where Sylvie mentions the TV and Tainly acknowledges that he knows what the TV is, mm-hmm. and it's also because of the game. It he jokes, he mentions Ouroboros, the person who who wrote it and everything. Uh, and then earlier on, when he was try, guys were trying to talk to him about buying the invention and everything, oh, well, I'm always looking for investors, and they said they want to be kind of partners. He goes, oh, I, I don't do partners. And during the conversation, you know, R- R- uh, Rensselaer talked about their relationship as kind of a partnership, and then the way that Miss Metz was talking to him, like, you heard what she said, partners, so the idea, like, Miss Metz is getting his ear, like, remember, you don't do partners, you're not, you, you're meant for bigger things, you don't have time for partners. I know. Uh, you're back. You're also back to another weird paradox because even though it's probably Kang's sort of inventions and that, if we're, if OB doesn't write the handbook, it never gets to him, and perhaps it, he never becomes as he still remains. So maybe, or maybe OB's the real brains of the operation all along. And you go, and also, but then OB has to kind of be like most people for the TV be plucked from some point in the timeline, and then basically just left alone to have all this tech, to be with this technology and like this knowledge and everything in order to then write the handbook. Because clearly, part of the reason he wrote the time the book is he's one of the only people with enough time on his hands mm. in the TV over the hundreds and years that he's been there to to properly write something like that. Nobody, but with nobody visiting him, bless him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then this 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 scene towards the end. Yeah, I thought it was weird because also it's the first episode. That Johnson Majors has been in first anything he's been in post allegations, mm-hmm. everything. And I was probably say a lot of it was filmed before then. So, and an episode with the guy who said all these allegations against him. I did not think in a scene involving him that most uncomfortable I would be was with Tara Strong voicing a horny AI, which is all you can really <laughs> describe it because. She's basically about how she's kind of developed her own code over the years, uh, which is again the idea of this artificial intelligence, you know, developing and learning from itself and developing its own thoughts and everything. Because she calls her an AI early on to correct Timely for calling her her, everyone is a ghost companion. Yeah, she said, so at first I was just like an AI for you to play chess against, and then you made me uh, atomically independent so I could write my own code and stuff and you did all these things but the one thing you wouldn't do you wouldn't give me a body and she mm. sort of puts herself onto one of these sort of mannequins he's got there I could be your girl and even and even back to time he's getting a bit creeped out by this at this point and he's, yeah, he gets he... reached for a contrast like, no no don't turn me off I love and <laughs> Turns her off before she can complete a sentence. It also has this, this device, which I think people have said the shape of the toilet looks a lot like the ship he was trying to pilot in Biomania. So, well, there's something that's like a prototype for a much you know, bigger mm. device that a variant of Kang will use. And obviously, he doesn't have the, the capabilities to make it what it could be. I was really scooped out by this and I'm like where exactly are we going with this scene and even then I thought eventually she was going to get sick of his shit and Miss Minutes was going to be we're going to like is Miss Minutes the bad guy of this series like is she going to snap and 
against this king then because it's really because he's clearly created her but now she's become grown and become so independent that she's now trying to help develop somebody else into being the person who creates her and it's this weird paradox when she's become so developed and so advanced now because she's been alive for so long that she really doesn't even need any variant of king she just does it because she's probably she's similarly like she feels lost without without him there like a version of him there to kind of guide her yeah, she's sort of obviously got this sort of warped sort of crush crush on him as well by, by the signs of things. But also Renslay has managed to track them down to his warehouse workshop and she's got this um, prototype pruner by the looks of it, which is quite a lot bigger than the ones we're used to seeing and she sort of threatens sort of threatens him with it, saying, and she's none too pleased, as you wouldn't be. <laughs> she was sort of cast aside and let go, and she's like, I'm I'm the one, I'm the one who was trusted with uh, He Remains' plan to uh, to do all this, not not that silly cartoon clock thing or whatever she says. So, you know, they're both sort of wanting to be his partner in crime, so to speak. Mm. Well, I think at this point, Ravonna is wanting to be a bit more in charge here because he's kind of sick of. Because, mm. like, if, for a lot of the bits between her and Miss Minutes, it felt like Miss Minutes was trying to keep her in the dark about everything, basically trying to take control of her. She, she's sick of being in the dark. She wants to be in, in charge of this. I just feel weird, funny that her, Loki, Mobius, Sylvia, everyone just happens to immediately show up all at the perfect yeah. <laughs> thing towards the end of this episode. That, Looking at that like old school, it looks like an old timey version of like one of the Ghostbuster guns with the big backpack in the. It does, the yeah, yeah. At least that's what I kind of took from it, and I legit did think at some point Sylvie was going to kill Timeline in this, and that maybe a big thing with uh, Jonathan Majors in this was maybe they would try and keep going to different variants of Kang to try and find somebody to they could use to help save the TVA, and so that would give him also a chance to try some more different characters or different variations of this one character. Yeah, I was wondering that because she seemed pretty determined uh, to finish him off, but he basically just beats that. I'm not, I'm not who you think I am. I, you know, I'm, I've got a heart. I, I, I'm not, I'm not this, uh, you know, basically I'm not the guy who um, messed you around and, you know, you should give me a chance and whatever is, you know, Part of what he says obviously gets through to her, and she sort of relents and and, and lets him go. But um, she does turn her attention to Renslayer instead. Um, not she doesn't kill her, but she does. She sort of gives her a good talking to her about you know you want to do this, you want to be there at the end of time. Well, be careful what you wish for, and she sends her through a time door, and yeah, she ends up. Uh, at the end of time, pretty much sometime after Sylvia and Loki left, because there's still a dead he who remains slumped in his slumped in his chair, and we thought, we realised Miss Minute's been sent through with her. And yeah. She says he shouldn't have made an enemy of me. Aren't someone who knows all his secrets? I know a big secret, a big secret about you, and it'll make you really angry. So, and that's where we, and that's where they were left in that episode on that little cliffhanger. So we're left to wonder, what is it that Miss Minutes knows about 
Ren, Ravona Renslayer that could make her angry. Perhaps the way she was um, ripped, you know, where she was ripped from to um, be um, Kang's helper or or something else. It'd be interesting yeah. to see where we go. Yeah, I definitely think it'll tie into where she came from mm. or like her, if she's a very, what was her like Nexus event because they showed in the previous uh, on the start of the clip in season one where Dully tries to ask Rensselaer what her Nexus event was and Rensselaer tells her she doesn't know. I think, I, I feel like we have that same conversation when it was led with just those two because she's been running for the TV most of her life and the thing with her in time where he begs her because he's not the same as a version of him that mm. she knows I think that goes back to a lot of thing about the idea of, oh, if you could, will you travel back and kill these horrible people of history? But, like, is it right to do it when they're young, when they haven't become that person yet? And that kind of idea. And I think Sylvie doesn't know what she did wrong in her timeline, but she was always assumed in it as an enemy or seen as evil because she's a variant. She wasn't in there and ZVA's eyes meant to be, to even exist. So she knows the I think she kind of got through to her the idea of, being assumed that you're evil even though you're not so maybe that little bit of humanity she's still got kind of gets through you know, like or maybe it's also how she feels about Loki where she seems to still tolerate reluctantly the TV existing because Loki seems to clearly believe in it that they're the way of it and she thinks also if this is if this variant of him is going to help fix everything they at least deserve a chance to try so I assume that we'll probably pick up in the next episode right then at the TV arriving with this it's very and going to OB to see if he can he can fix the loom. But yeah, I love that she there and like yeah. She basically we we're learning quickly that don't piss off Miss Minutes because she knows fucking everything. Yeah, she's not she's not a cartoon <laughs> clock to be trifled with, is she? No. No, she is not. But I really like this kind of ending scene and mm-hmm. again, we're at the midpoint of the season. We've now got a new variant of him. And inside the TV, what's that going to do to everyone else? Like, is everyone going to be wary of them? And Clay Miss Metz has got more secrets to to reveal. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting episode this week to to find out. Obviously, we're going to find out what this this secret is. Perhaps she was um, sort of plucked from a really happy family, or or something. Who knows? But it's mm-hmm. yeah, going to be really interesting to see and see where things go. But another really good episode. It's it's um, it's not dipping in quality like some of these others. Uh, they're they're um, staying on point so far with Loki. It has to be sad. Yeah, I think a big thing with this season is like at the start of season one the big what seemed like it was going to be the big origin threat was there's this other Loki out there which was revealed to be Sylvie but then and the through they change it to oh no it's because it's like it's the overarching thing is revealing the truth behind the TVA mm. I think it's a big thing is about having that overarching threat and, th- and this one it's basically what fixing this loom and basically fixing you know the timeline which is now all askew because of the events of the last season and how they're going to do that but also you know, these other details with there and these people who have clearly not, not been who they said they are, like Miss Minutes and Renslayer, and you know, peeling more layers behind behind their characters. So there's enough to keep you coming back, I think, each week. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, there's still odds with Sylvie because Loki seems to 
be under the assumption that they need the TVA to to keep time in some sort of order. But um, Sylvie's in the impression that the TVA just takes away their free, takes away all their free will and is killing, killing innocent people just because they happen to be variants and, and whatnot. So you can, you can kind of see it from both sides, to be fair. But I mean, ultimately, um, Loki's on the right. I think I think I'd side with Loki ultimately because he does not pretty much end of the world. I'm wondering though, because I've seen a lot of people theorizing that because Loki is the first one to properly know about. Well, he was the first. I'll say no, Scott Lang cared about. I think Scott Lang thinks that he's killed that king, so everyone everything's fine now. But Loki knows more about Kang than anyone else so far, and people are wondering maybe this variant of Loki will be the one to basically bring everyone together in Kang Dynasty because he's the one who comes through and tells everyone like, listen. I know about this guy and all these variants. They're coming. Like you need to get your shit together because this is not, this is not this is bigger than Thanos. But I'm wondering, like this timely is going to seem innocent, but by the end, the idea of having another he who remains in the TV is going to ultimately is going to ultimately bite them in the arse at the end. Yeah, it could do as they always say: uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So mm. you just never know, or another, or somehow another variant that's um a bit more on the evil side manages to stumble ac- across things yeah and who knows because obviously we're going to eventually need to know what was going on in that big meeting the all the kings mm. at the end because clearly it was spurred on by what happened with that variant who scott lang defeated uh i remember like when they said all the timelines are they're cut there i wondered how that was going to lead to Further damage with the loom after the whole all of the timelines were pruned. So that means that they're all there's not as many branches, but it will be saying they were all growing back. I was a bit confused yeah. by when I first watched it, but I realised like clearly they just thought just by doing this mass pruning that would clear up. But clearly he remains the way he managed to bring all the timelines together into one secret timeline was clearly a lot more complicated than anyone else realised. So clearly at that just purely purging them all at once doesn't work. And as I said, that further puts in his importance to the TV. Even though he was evil, he was clearly important to keeping this thing together because he seemingly, like I said earlier, implemented it in a way where without him or Miss Minutes, the whole thing is going to fall apart and potentially kill a lot of people. So as he said, like, there always needs to be someone like me. Like he said at the end of last season, there always needs to be someone like him sitting in that seat at the end of time. And one thing we should mention is, I don't know how much time passes between these episodes and between this season because it seemed to pick up immediately, but his body, there was a brief close-up of it, it's clear already started to decay because he's almost a skeleton sitting in that chair. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, um, you don't know how long it's how long it's been since um, they, la- they left that or you know how far in the future um, she sort of put... Miss Minutes and Ravona uh, Runslayer. Because, I mean, they're stuck there for the time being now, so you never know. They might find a way out and go looking for a new variant if they've lost Timely, and, and that variant might end up being uh, a badder one or something. So that's always a, a possibility. And I think maybe that variant might tie into Runslayer, which may be a thing about the secret to her, because maybe... We'll learn that the voice on the recording that Loki listened to 
maybe wasn't a Kang that we saw at the end of the last season or even the one in this series. Like, it's a whole different one. Like, maybe there's been more than one variant of him that's been part of the TV at one point or another, or at least maybe that recording is from uh, from somewhere in Rivona's place in the timeline. So there's a, there's a chance that that voice we heard isn't he who means it's someone else. Yeah, true, true. You, you just don't know, do you? Because mm. uh, it's all sort of time traveling and variants. There's almost endless possibilities to to what ultimately could be going on. Mm. So it does make for some interest in viewing. Yeah, because at the minute, like even though for the most part, you know, the one in Anna was the more close to the convict wise in terms of you know, carrying the conquer everything. Mm. The fun with this that they're currently having with the guy, and he, we he remains said, "Oh, you think I'm bad? Like I've got variants that are much worse. It doesn't need to be at this point quite yet, because uh, it's still got a ways until Avengers. It doesn't need to be one prime version of Kang. If you know each one presents something different, and one doesn't you don't like as much as always all these other ones, and you can basically alter how dangerous each are depending on what you're going for stories. Because like." Timely is seemingly harmless, whereas there, we know there are countless other ones that are very serious. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of sort of, sort of power sort of comes from, comes from their inventions. So the more advanced that they get and the better their weapons and inventions get, the more sort of dangerous and powerful they, they become. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what what was his what rating would you give this? Uh, I think I'll give it around. I think I'll give it any. I think it's a decent rating for it. Uh, it was. Uh, it definitely has stepped up a notch, given that you know, timely is in this because we needed to get another version of he who remains uh, in the series to help further on the storyline of him and his importance to the TV, and I think we got that as we've discussed. So clearly. You know, with three episodes to go, there's still so much to to look at, still much more to be revealed in this show. So, like I said, it's kept my intrigue, everything. There's a lot more interaction, you know. you got more of these main characters, you know, interacting, because, you know, like, you've got Mobius and Rensselaer talk, interacting for the first time since the end of the last series, and, you know, some stuff that we've been waiting for for the last episode we actually got in this episode. So, I think 8 out of 10 is a decent rating to give it. Yeah, I was going to go for about the same, and I will do eight out of ten. It's uh, an enjoyable episode, with and it's sort of definitely moving uh, the plot, the plot forward. And when you've only got six episodes, you haven't got much time for for filler or to slow down. So you got to sort of keep chugging along, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm really enjoying the series so far, and. Uh, it's funny because now I said we're at the midpoint, so now before you know it, it'll all be over again. Oh no, yeah, it's uh, that is the one downfall of only six episodes. It's uh, it's over before you know it. I know it's not quite as bad as JNV in terms of how quickly it goes through because that and when that when a series of boys comes out, because they release three at once, you get oh, no. a few, you get to a few weeks, then you're like, Wait, what episode are we on? It is like, yes, three, uh, three episodes to get into on the day it's released, and then you suddenly feel like it's only eight episodes. That means it's going to be over as soon as I've started. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But then, uh, you know what? You know what? Big content machines, these bloody big like, corporations are, you know, 
you know, one, you know, like Hydra's when one falls, two more will take its place. <laughs> well, no, maybe all these strikes going on, yeah. You don't, ah, we might, we might become programless for for a few months, Scott. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry, we've got enough bullets we can talk about, you know, we haven't fully run out of, of ideas just yet. Nope. <laughs> but anyway, Scott, any uh, other pods you want to promote before we sign off? Um, I've got a lot going on. Uh, you can find Scott on podcast. It's on feed and on Rugged Bains to be wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, at FB Rambling on Twitter. we got some uh, we got some wrestling-related stuff going on there. We've got Rogue Richards Madden. It's going to be its way back to Rogue Bains very soon. Uh, got a couple of episodes of Ryan back with myself and Carl and Reese coming in one boys one one the first part of what will end up being a very large undertaking with uh, us looking at Game of Thrones characters. <laughs> we really did not, and we really underestimated what we were letting ourselves in for. I'll just tell you that uh, I'm doing stuff over at ESSR. I'm popping up all over the place, and I've not got one specific thing to promote over there. So just check out the same podcast platform where you can find this, and on Twitter at SuperTweet. You'll probably see my name pop up somewhere along there because I seem to be it seems to be a thing I do over there where I like I'll volunteer for things only if someone else doesn't do it. <laughs> but yeah, I've got um, the rank bang. Obviously, I've done with Scott and a race with started on Game of Thrones, and uh, hopefully the football pod will be back at, at some point. We're hoping to get that recorded. Um, maybe midweek. We're, we're not too sure. Again, it's um, trying to find a day everybody's free, which isn't always straightforward. Yeah. Uh, but we're also trying to get as many of those right mics recorded before you know, reschools. Okay, so I don't even think we'll finish the game of Thrones thing by the time it's done, but I'm sure we can get at least halfway through if we're lucky. It'll be like wait, the waiting for the la- wait for the last couple of Game of Thrones parts will be as bad as waiting for the last Game of Thrones book, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, or like, like I said, yeah, that series that it gets delayed, like the new series of a show you like, and you're waiting ages for it. Do sound sound send all complaints to at Harper Milo on Twitter if um, you get upset about having to wait ages for the next Game of Thrones rank bank. <laughs> I think we're taking bets currently on whether or not Reese's kid will be old enough to watch Game of Thrones by the time we've completed it. <laughs> For a good chance she will be. Oh, yeah. Scheduling, figuring out Game of Thrones characters, Carl, it's not easy, this podcast in life. <laughs> it totally isn't. Bye, everybody. Bye. Well, hello there. My, it's been a long, long time. am I doing? Oh, I guess that I'm doing fine. It's been so long now, and it seems now that it was only yesterday.
Gee, ain't it funny How time slips away 